0: Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. The outstanding Neil Coulong, Sir, welcome.
1: It is, as always, great to be here. I'm looking forward to, uh, uh, to, to two days here before the draft, getting to talk about it with you beforehand, and then if I survive talking about it next week as well and going over everything that we'll see
0: well the um, tidal wave of rumor is now quarterback um, as you're standing on the shore looking at the tidal wave are you concerned they'll actually do it
1: um, I I don't know I am concerned that they'll do it I think is fair at the same time as I think it's fair to say I think that they should do it, and I think that they would do it, depending on uh, what, what the options are. Um, here's the bottom line. For the Steelers in this draft, the priority uh, as far as an immediate team need is wide receiver. Uh, they need two receivers in this draft. No and doubt. It, one, if not two of them, need to be premium guys. Um, this isn't like we need a project for depth type of thing. They need two receivers who can play. Uh, if not from this draft, they need to bring somebody else in. They don't have a slot receiver right now. I don't think it's particularly wise to draft a slot receiver in the top 52 picks. That's just me. Um, not when we talked about this last week, not when Cole Beasley, if you put all the, the off the field stuff aside. Cole Beasley is one of the better yep. slot receivers in the game. He's mm. not signed right now.
0: That's right. There
1: are guys like that every single year. So in plus, uh, uh, undrafted free agency is, is a, a boon for good slot receivers. And I know that because there's a team in the NFL that gave Ray Ray McLeod $10 million over two years.
0: Yeah.
1: And the Steelers used him like it, it consistently in like three games last year. So, whatever it is the teams are looking for, it doesn't seem like there's a a consistent approach to it. And that opens up the market to a lot of options based on what you want the position to be. I don't think you should draft that in the the first two rounds. That's just me. Uh, I think John Mechie is a great player. I think Sky Moore is a great player, not guys I would take in the top 52. And I, I'm, I'd love to tell you, I don't, I know that the Steelers will or won't do this, but it doesn't seem like really what they want to do, Overall, Juju Smith-Schuster was not a slot receiver when no. he started his career. He moved into that. Um, you know, That's, I think, kind of a unique situation. But it's fair to say that John Metchie and, and uh, Sky Morris are NFL slot receivers. So uh, what they would do at 20, in my opinion, if it's not going to be a receiver, and there are plenty of, of circumstances I can see in which the top four receivers are gone before, like at 16 in the draft, let alone 20. Right um, fifth place of that, it might not quite be worth the 20th pick, but here we go into the two separate drafts thing again. Yep. Okay. You don't have a receiver that you want is the fifth best receiver in the class. Take 20 overall. I, I totally would understand that if that's the case, though, that's a lot of receivers that are going to go along with your other premium positions. You've got to think that, you know, the the third, maybe fourth quarterback available would be there at 20. And for me, that's probably a, a Desmond Ritter. Um, that's the name I keep coming back to. That's I just, the scenario I'll keep coming yeah, into. Yeah, I know. And I get why there, there's some hesitation with that. And most of it's going to be, do you want the you, – you'd like this guy at 52. Do you want him at 20? The two-draft philosophy kind of mandates that yes. for that position – yeah, if you want him at fifty-two, you need to take him at twenty. Cause right. He's not going to be there at fifty-two because right. everyone else is going to have the same problem, and somebody is going to land on that priority ahead of you. So it, it's it, it's really going to show whether they value um, the the long term security of the position with this first round pick. Obviously, you know, it take take the gamble if you want if you think somebody's going to be there at fifty-two. But for me if he's there at 52, I think there's a reason you have pretty strong right. market evidence to think there's not a whole lot of faith in this guy panning out. So what are you doing? I mean, second round kind of seems like no man's land for quarterbacks now. I'm not sure if you would even want him if you don't feel that he's worth a first round pick. So I don't know, is is the, the very simplified answer of that. But um I, I don't, put a whole lot of stock into the idea that Malik Willis is going to fall very far. I don't think that Kenny Pickett is going to be around at 20 um, for the the same reasons that we're discussing here. The the value of the position is just too high. And I think these guys, last year, the strengths of the top four quarterbacks were highlighted uh, and, and discussed and talked about when they were being compared to one another.
0: Yes, This
1: class it's all about their weaknesses. Yes. And I, I think some of that, to some degree, is just kind of hangover from last year. Now, let's be fair. I don't think Kenny Pickett is a top-four quarterback in last year's class. Right. It doesn't seem like he would be a top-six candidate in next year's class. He is where he is, but here's the thing with efficiency. You, you don't draft against the draft. You draft against your needs. Right. Is he a guy who fits what you need now three years from now And is he somebody that you feel is worth the value of taking him where you're at? You you can't worry about who else is there. That's just not, it's not efficient that way. You're not going to come up with good decisions. If you're banking on something else happening that you have no control over, this is where you're at when you're on the clock. These are the decisions that you're going to make. That's what they're preparing for. Now, if Pickett is among that group and he's there at 20, I, you know, I, I should be happy with Kenny Pickett uh, to the Steelers at 20. I think that's a pretty good pick. Um, I'm intrigued with Ritter at that spot. I, I think that's interesting. Um, it, it'd be controversial. I'll bet. I, I don't think there'll be a whole lot of people that, uh, they're incredibly happy with that. I think Mel Kiper will go on a rant and rave and give it, give the pick a, a C minus probably, yeah. but for, for the sake of the team, um, I don't think that's a bad idea. You know, I, 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 what I really not like to see is a defensive player taking a twenty. Um, this is a bad offensive team. They improved their line a bit. We're not sure how that's all going to come together. The reality is, though, they do not have playmakers. Okay, they they just don't. That's my point. They they have to address that <laughs> at, I, at some
0: point soon. I think they've got they can get quarterbacks next year or the year after. I think you need playmakers now to set up next year and the year after. That's me. For yeah, I
1: just think it, it, it's the 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 idea of playmakers without a quarterback doesn't it, it doesn't hold water for
0: me. Yeah, I know that. I know, you that. know, I, you I know. know what uh,
1: type of receiver you need, and you need the quarterback to be able to do that. There are a lot of bad fits that will end up happening. Right. Oh, so let's. Yeah, how about this? Let's watch what happens in Seattle to DK Metcalf. Now that he's got Drew Lock right. going to him, uh, DK Metcalf was a perfect receiver for Russell Wilson. Well,
0: Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown with yep. Mason Rudolph, it didn't go. Yeah, okay, yeah it didn't Mike go. Dick.
1: Um, um, Landry Jones, well, he's pretty well with Landry Jones, believe it or not. Right. But, but I'll I, say this
0: when about Ritter. I watched him two full games last year and a little bit of one, of another. All right. The games I watched last year, Indiana, didn't play well. If Micah McFadden, the middle linebacker, right, doesn't get a targeting call, Indiana wins the game, I think. And Ritter didn't play well. Notre Dame (laughs) goes into that atmosphere. Everything's high and wide. And obviously Alabama. Oh, it's Alabama. It's like, excuse me, if you're like a top 20 quarterback, aren't you expected to do more than six points?
1: Yeah, he didn't didn't look great. He didn't look comfortable. I'm just saying, saying, I, I
0: saw him in three spots last year and didn't like him in any one of the three.
1: Yep, yep. And I, I would challenge it with this. Is the quarterback coming out of college the sum of his whole or the sum of his parts? Because You get a couple of different ways to look at it. On the field, in college in particular, it really kind of seems to be um, feast or famine for quarterbacks in playoff games, especially in the, right. what we've seen so far in the semifinals. They either light up the scoreboard or they get completely blanked. And I think more of that is experience. And coaching experience in those games, Saban knows how to prepare his team for the playoffs. And the playoffs haven't even been around for very long, you know. Right. Sure, um, they, I don't think Cincinnati quite has that ability. Um, they were they weren't going to win that game. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't think anybody really thought. And, were, and, I,
0: and I realize that. Uh, I know exactly, but you know what? Look at all the quarterbacks in this league. I can go through one after another, and who they yep. were in college is who they are now.
1: Yep. That right.
0: unfortunately is Okay, right who they were in college. Russell Wilson was that at Wisconsin. I saw it yep. firsthand. Okay. Tom Brady was that was actually that at Michigan. I saw it firsthand. You know, he was down he was down ten with six minutes to go here, rallied and won the game. Right? So it right right. I mean, so I can go through one after another who these guys were in college. You know, Goff, Goff had a losing record when he was at Cal. Yes.
1: Exactly. Right. Daniel exactly. Jones.
0: Daniel Jones barely above the Mendoza line when it came to touchdowns, interceptions at Duke. I mean, and Jalen Hurts is Jalen Hurts. Yep. I mean, these guys are who they are. That's the
1: Jared Goff legacy. The best one to that that I would add is Jay Cutler. Yes. Jay Cutler was the first quarterback taken in the first round in something like 30 years who had a losing record in college. And the other one, uh, before him, sorry, there were there were two of them. The other one, uh, who was closest, I should say, he didn't have a losing record. The one who was closest was Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and Rodgers, I think, is that the he's the exception that proves the rule. I don't think he was quite that guy, but I think what happened with him, and you know, combined with the fact of of who he is mentally and emotionally, is what created who he is now. Um, that said, it's a complete outlier. By and large, though, yeah. you're right. The the guy in college, um it it it's obviously they're not the same. The game changes, the player changes. Right. Coaching is a big part of that. Development, maturity is a big part of that. But if you're different more often than not, it's in a negative way, it's not in a positive yeah. way. So right. there there is something to to be said about the general floor of where a player is. And yeah, Ritter versus Indiana wasn't spectacular no. by no. any stretch. Nope. Um, in fact, I don't think you really got that from any of these guys, unless it was on the ground uh, from Willis. I, well, is there, there's a lot to like about Kenny Pickett, and that that's. Yeah. I, I'm a fan of. No,
0: Pickett. no, I, I think Pickett has played well. And look, I saw him. I saw him do obviously a bad one in the rain against Penn State. I saw him do that. Yeah. But he had a in, a in a loss here. He played a terrific game here in a loss. Yep. I mean,
1: yep. And he, he has a, a lot of this just comes from inside pit and what people say about him. Obviously, like if they're going to, you know, hype up their guy a bit. But sure. General impression that I got is people would be ready to run through a wall for that guy. Yeah. They absolutely loved yep. him there. You know, I'd listen to that. If it's me, I'd really listen to that. I, I, you want that out of your quarterback. Even if he isn't any good, if the guys buy into him, that's going to make him better. That's yep. going to make them better. Agreed. And that's one part as a coach that you don't have to take care of. You have to factor in natural leadership. And the one that I hear the most uh, it, along those lines, along with Pickett, is Ritter. Ritter is hes kind of the, the you know, from the ground up type of guy. You know, you, yep. you wonder about the ceiling of him physically. He's really smart, too. They, yep. they did a lot of things within that offense. He's doing a lot of very cutting edge uh, offensive theory that you see in college. That's now just kind of getting into the NFL. <laughs> you might be able to go a completely different direction right. with a guy like Ritter, with some time to kind of figure out who he is. That's why I find it intriguing. I, I yeah. like the, the mental aspect of his game. Physically, he doesn't have the greatest arm. He, he's going to test well, you know, running in a straight line. He's not that kind of mobile quarterback he's shifty he can move in the pocket you kind of like that he knows where he is on the field I think that's very important um there, there are good qualities to him but yeah, yeah. You, the ceiling as we see him as a traditional type of quarterback which I'd say he was probably by and large in terms of of pocket versus like him versus uh, uh Willis it's obvious which one was a runner which sure. one was a, more of a pocket guy. That's right. But it, it, I I like Ritter in the sense that I think he he's smart enough to grasp RPO concepts which is something I think the Steelers really want to employ based on the the players that they're signing the players that they've drafted that's the post Ben offense that they really want to kind of yeah. create. Um, I don't think Willer. I don't think Ritter is necessarily the best in this group right. for RPOs, but I think uh, uh, Malik Willis is going to be really good at that if they can figure out everything else with him.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but Ritter will be very good as well as is Sam Howell. Now, when you get into this, you that's know, an interesting one about Howell that old Miss too.
0: And but Howell, you, you, yeah.
1: what you like about Howell is he has the ability to read that. But he, he's a runner. You know, Ritter wasn't yes. a runner as much. Howell's right. a runner. Yep. So it, it makes you wonder if they want that. Did they do too much for him? A huge part of that offense, just like Willis at Liberty, uh, Howell was his entire offense. Yes. So you can understand why there was a little bit of a drop in, in production. Get him, get him some help, you know. Maybe, maybe there's a, a yeah. better way, a more efficient way to kind of run this.
0: Yeah, and there's one other aspect of Ritter too. You know, people have talked about with Kenny Pickett. It's been brought up over and over about hand size. Hand size means something because you get concerned about hits and fumbles. And he did fumble 37 times at Pitt. He didn't lose yeah. all of them. Ritter had 38. Yep. Right, I'm just I'm just pointing out just a couple of things just for people to consider. If they go someplace else besides off uh, besides quarterback or. Uh, wide receiver, what would it be? An offensive lineman?
1: Oh, uh, honestly, throw a dart at the board at that point. I, <laughs> yeah. I, if, I, just if a guy it, if a guy
0: like Tyler Lindebaum were were available yeah. from Iowa.
1: Yeah. I would I be surprised by Linderbaum there? No. I, I think I think there'll be a lot of questions to answer if they take Linderbaum at twenty and they didn't take Creed Humphrey last year because a lot of the rap on Humphrey was he's going to be more, yeah. uh, you know, a, a more zone scheme-oriented kind of guy. I don't think we're necessarily seeing that, but that was the rap on him. That, and as we've discussed before, people grossly underestimate the issues that a lot of quarterbacks have with a left-handed center, which yeah. is what Humphrey's is.
0: Exactly. People don't even, people don't yep. even
1: seem to know that. He's right. Left-handed. And, we talked, left-handed.
0: and we talked about that last season, about the left-handed yep. center, and that it's it's a— it's subtle, but it's a completely different deal as to the angle the ball comes at, where it goes, yep. how it spins into your hand.
1: Yeah, and that, that's that, my opinion, just based on what we saw of Humphrey, who is the, the unique character that it seemed like he was a better better player with the Chiefs than he was in college. That's right. You know, it, it's he improved that much, and he was really good. But he was a physical freak probably more than anything. He was just an incredible athlete. and still is. And you see that, but the the film that we see of him in Kansas City, it's just like holy cow, this this guy's he's an elite player. Right. Um, Linderbaum, I I think is is more technically efficient. He though is probably more typecast into a, a more athletic offensive line, a team that's going to run a lot of outside right. zone because um, he can pull. I, yep. Yeah, he's he's quick. Um, it, he could be a guard as well. I, yep. I, he has that kind of versatility. Um, a really good prospect and a really good player. It's just kind of it, it really it, it's, it's need uh, combined with value for him. Um, the Steelers, in my opinion, the Steelers, you know, made their decision at center. Um, I don't know where Linderbaum would fall, but I, I, I just don't know offensively what they want to do, but I don't see them running a lot of outside zone with Najee Harris. Um, yeah. Not that he couldn't do it. I just don't think that's necessarily his highest and best. They'll do inside zone in which case, you know, a uh, uh, position flexible, um, nimble, quick guards and centers are, are a good bet for you. Um, is that enough to say that you want to use 20 overall on a, a center after you just drafted one in the third round last year and you just signed one back in March? I don't know. Um, it's kind of up in the air. I, it, honestly, receiver or quarterback, if it's not that, defensive line would probably be something I'd like to see them address but they, they they're good at adding depth on their defensive line they, they've done well with that I mean the, Isaiah bugs and Carlos Davis maybe that's not the best thing in the world but I I you know I, I panned that the the, uh, the trade up for Isaiah uh, Wamouth last year and I think he was one of their two or three best rookies I and mean, he played really well I was really impressed with him I could see why they went and got him uh, he's gonna be a beast I mean they, they they've got uh, regardless of, of Stefan's situation, I think they have confidence in their ability to develop good defensive linemen, but do they want to invest a premium pick there? I'm not sure, but that's probably where I would go just because I don't know what's going to happen with Devin Bush, but I, I think we're seeing the, the results of investing premium picks and in inside linebackers in this defense it might not be the best idea. Cornerback isn't a bad idea. I don't think safety is a bad idea. Um, you can go a couple different directions, but I, I, they just—they need somebody that can make plays with the ball in their hand. I mean, it, it, it's to me, it, it's pretty black and white.
0: Try to survive the weekend, my friend. We need you back Tuesday.
1: I'm going to do my best. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me.